We are back on SwitchCast Live. It is Wednesday, and that means we're here, and thank you for being here as well. Without you being here, we wouldn't be here. And I guess the converse is true as well. But Ooh, I'm wearing converse. Does that count? Oh, <laughs> hipster over Hey-o. there. Uh, Hank, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt. SwitchCast is the automotive-related podcast where we are searching for the truth and the humor in the car industry. If it ain't true, it better be funny. And speaking of funny, uh, our producer Ethan reminded us tonight that <laughs> there's a, a, a video that we did. It was a podcast highlight on the the person buying the one dollar Tahoe, and apparently it's it's uh, been very well received on the internet. Caught a second um, wave. It caught a second say. wind. Yeah. yeah, or wind, which I thought is, is funny because it's something that had already been hashed. And rehashed right. through the internet, but apparently the way to get views on the internet is to talk about something that everybody else is talking about, not to talk about something actually new or give any new information. It's just to rehash whatever. So, um, but I, I was a little disappointed when you told me which video because I, I remember watching it on one of the platforms. And it started with me applying chapstick to what my wife <laughs> makes fun of me, my giant lips, and I was like. Oh no! <laughs> Look, we gotta see peer behind the curtain. See what Doug Cabot is really like. I, I mean, you I chose still, to do it live on the air. I so. think of this as an audio podcast, right? Like, it, if that primarily is, we just have a phone in front of us and we spend some time with people live on YouTube. I could have blurred out your face. Just had like a moving. You could have had some time. B-roll there, or something. I don't know, but you know, whatever. It's it's. It's keeping it real. It's keeping me grounded unless I start to think too highly of myself. Um, but I was pleased to see that the the shorter cut on, on YouTube where it went viral, I was not chapping, chap, chapsticking my lips. <laughs> Has that <laughs> happened before? Is there evidence on the internet of you applying copious amounts of chapstick? Um, Can we do possibly. a super cut? Ethan, let's get on that. Super cut possibly. of chapstick, Doug. Ed, Ed of VinWiki, Ed Bolian is great at finding the most like damning photos or or, like screen grabs, right? Because, you know, at any given point, if you pause a video, it is not a flattering look of anybody. Right. Have you ever done that? Just like frame by frame in the video, you could be like smiling the whole time and talking, but it's awkward each individual frame. I mean, how do you think I make the thumbnails for all these things? That's like a good, that's a good, like at least hour of my week is looking through. That's why you think it gets paid so much. Literally just finding a thumbnail that is not terrible. (laughs) So he found one because I was sitting in the VinWiki chair and I was just like running my hands through my hair. And he found one where I have like both hands through my hair, eyes closed, head back, just like Baywatch pose. Amazing. (laughs) And of course, screen grabbed it and sent (laughs) it to everybody. I'm like, come on. I've got a great face for radio. My mother has told me that all my life. Just kidding. My mother loves me. Um... Ah, uh, funny, funny. Uh, okay, so all seriousness, uh, uh, we all know that the guy didn't get the Tahoe for a dollar because he prompted some AI chatbot to agree to a deal with no takesies backsies. However, <laughs> it made me think. If anyone's still watching after that ridiculous <laughs> uh, side trail right off the bat, it made me think uh, about 
an actual transaction that happened kind of like that long, long before AI or chatbots. This was, I don't know, 2005, six ish, if I remember correctly. And, um, a Mopar dealer, a Dodge dealer listed a car on eBay and they made a typo in the price. I think they just like left off a digit. Uh Oh, and somebody hit by it now. And the dealer said, Oh, I'm sorry. That was just a typo. And the guy said, yeah, no, this is a contract. And eBay's terms and conditions, I guess, are such that, and combined with whatever state law, right? There's certain states that have different laws regulating, you know, truth in advertising and stuff. And um, anyway, he lawyered up and got the dealer to sell him this car at the eBay price that was missing a zero. That's amazing. Yeah. That is a no matter which way you slice it, significant discount. Right. <laughs> like, right. Wow. So it has, and I was in internet sales at the time. Now, I wasn't necessarily responsible for, you know, setting prices on online and stuff, but it made me paranoid to this day of setting prices online uh, on a place like eBay where there's a, a buy it now where it's like, oh, transaction's done. You can't undo it, right? If I make a typo on my website, no big deal. Somebody calls, oh, I'm sorry we made a typo. Change it. Um, ironically, we do have errors and omissions insurance for things like that. Wait, is there really? Yes. So like the dealer could have had this insurance, which they could make a claim against if like... Yes. Uh, yes. It feels like a scam. Well... But if you like, how many times have you seen a bring a trailer, a P car market auction, an online auction where somebody adds a zero and they bid one point two million instead of one hundred twenty thousand dollars? Obviously, they don't mean that, but it shows how easy it is to just like, oh, is the that key stuck? I guess a bid on like bring a trailer or something is binding, isn't it? Based on their terms, or could you like reach out to them and say, whoa, big mistake? Like if it's egregious? Oh yeah, no, you can. Yes, you can retract your bid. You reach out to them and say, here's why, and they'll totally um, remove it. Um, But bring a trailer is not, they're not a transactional website either. They're just a marketing website. So they're linking up two people. So good luck taking legal action against a high bidder on bring a trailer if they don't come through. Like bring a trailer will take the buyer's fee on the credit card and ban you from the site, but I've never heard of any transactions being legally forced to go through just because somebody won the bid. Maybe it's just not worth the fight. Maybe somebody could, but... Interesting. Yeah, I don't think a dealer should be punished because they make a typo on listing a car on eBay. Like, that's not intentional fraud. That's not bait and switch. That's literally just like, it's hard to type sometimes. And oops, we listed the car for... $4,000 instead of 40. It's any reasonable person could look at that and say, there's no way that's real. That's and that would be hard. That would be something that's very hard to put in terms and conditions is like some way to legally word like, well, sensible, you know, yada to kind of prevent this. But then I guess I don't know any other way other than this insurance you talked about to save yourself from it financially. Well, that's where individual state laws do come into play. Um, There's again, not, not being a lawyer here, but I'm I'm sure that there are cases like this that have fleshed out situations like this where like a rule of reason has applied. 
to where you say, okay, yes, there, there's this rule, there's this contractual law, but obviously any reasonable person could look at this and go, that's not right. And yeah, that applies. One would think. One would hope. Anyway, um, speaking of of zeros being misplaced, Carvana has released <laughs> their fourth quarter earnings. And uh, according to their press release, they are great. Carvana announces record fourth quarter and full year 2023 results. I'm sorry. Quote, Carvana announces record fourth quarter and full year 2023 results. New records for full year profitability, net income $150 million, adjusted EBITDA, EBITDA, sorry, $339 million. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, According to the uh, CEO, I think this is a quote from, this is interesting. Carvana is stronger than ever. We are beginning to demonstrate the differentiated profitability, efficiency, and customer experience benefits of our vertically integrated approach. That's they bought Adessa, ah, so it's a, it's gotcha. a, a, a Andrew Carnegie principle: buy everything above you and underneath you, and own every part of the process. Uh, and have a clear path toward our goals of becoming the largest and most profitable automotive retailer. And buying and selling millions of cars. I'm backing myself up here because Tyler's not there. <laughs> he doesn't know where I'm going here. All right. I'm with you, everybody. Becoming the largest and most profitable automotive retailer. Those are bold words coming from a company that hasn't made money yet. Yeah, that just... I'm, so I'm looking at the uh, quarterly adjusted EBITDA. EBITDA? How we got kind of a Harvard law alumni alumnus alum uh, corrected me on the pronunciation. I think it's EBITDA. EBITDA. Uh, There's a lot of parentheses, which for those of you who uh, do not know, that means negative. (laughs) (laughs) Parentheses around numbers is bad. Negative. (laughs) Uh, They've got the one which we talked about from their quarter three financial results, which there was a little bit of interesting application of uh, bankruptcy or or what I don't. No, no, no. no, It it was it was. uh, uh, debt restructuring. Ah, yes. Which yes. So it was, it was a gain on a debt extinguishment. So they uh, essentially got rid of some debt in exchange for equity or something else. Ah. So that quarter shows some some good numbers, but every other one on this sheet has the little parentheses around it. Right. Right. Uh, except second quarter 2021, in which every car dealer on the planet made money. Um, yeah, so Tyler has a good point here. They're all about their net income, but their net income, which we unpacked on a previous episode, is wildly offset by this $842 million, I think it was, gain on debt extinguishment, (laughs) which counts officially as income, but doesn't count as income (laughs) from a layman's perspective. So yes, they made what was it, $200 million last year, but that means they lost $650 million. And fourth quarter 2023, their net loss, uh, $2.4 billion in revenue, net loss of $200 million. 
God. It's really hard to make money when you have $150 million a quarter in interest payments. Oh, my gosh. That, every time you say that number, it makes me, like, squirm. That is so much money in interest. Shouldn't profit be what they're going for instead of... I do think Net that is revenue. how a business is successful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not in this day and age. <laughs> We're going to talk about that tonight. We've got a whole bunch of <laughs> Isn't that the goal. Uh, lots of lots of money flowing through automotive businesses and not much profit. Lots of growth, lots of revenue, lots of promises, stock prices going up. But before we get there, I, I don't want to go. I promise this is the last we're going to talk about Carvana until next quarter. <laughs> but I want to unpack this a little bit. Since we're talking about scams tonight, let's talk about what I see as a scam as the quote-unquote gain on debt reduction. So I'm batting a little bit outside my league here. I don't have a financial degree, but let's just think together as people, right? So if I'm owed $100 by a company that has never made any money, they lose $20 a quarter. And I say, all right, just give me 10 shares of your nearly worthless stock in exchange for the $100. You don't owe me the $100 anymore, or I'm going to like say that's, we'll kick it down the road, but I want 10 shares of your company. So you put the $100 on your books as profit. So you went from losing $80 a year to now making $20 a year. So you publish those books to all the other people that want to buy shares and then brag in your annual report that you had record profits. That's a really good way of explaining it. see that. where I'm going wow. here? And uh, looking at Carvana's stock price right now, I do see where you're going. Exactly. <laughs> My goodness. Exactly. Carvana's stock is now $75 a share, so it's basically up 50% <laughs> since it announced its quarter four numbers and its record, quote unquote, profit for last year. I once again should have put my life savings into Carvana. See? This is the second time I failed. But does any anyone <laughs> do you get the giant scam here oh, with yeah, the gain on no debt sense. reduction? So if I say, all right, I want ten shares of your company, you don't owe me the hundred bucks anymore, but count that as income and then tell everybody else that you made a hundred dollars, I just made a fortune on my stock and your worthless company going up. That's crazy. This is not financial advice, people. I do not have a degree. This is just how I look at this and go, this seems like a giant scam. Yeah, yeah. when is when is switch cars going public? <laughs> let's, let's talk Can about I get that. in on the ground floor? <laughs> and I will say this. It's not Carvana's fault. This happens all the time in the financial world. It's the giant system that allows this crap to happen. And and or investors or greedy companies and, and private equity firms and stuff for not seeing through it or caring. But that's also why we have had things like the Great Recession of 2008, because that house of cards has to fall eventually. So we'll see. This is why I keep saying Carvana's eventually going to fail. Um, I, I will give them one piece of credit, though. The one thing they have done is they have turned their uh, gross per unit, so their actual profit on vehicles around. They're grossing over $5,000 per unit now, which is impressive. Now, so, so, like, per unit, they're doing okay? Yes, yes. Which, the problem with that is I think they have to pay about $6,000 in interest <laughs> for every car they Well, sell. let's not get into those but, details, Doug. We're trying to feel good. <laughs> this is why debt is so stupid. 
stupid though, right? Because like, again, you go back to Toys R Us. Toys R Us was a profitable company and they tried to grow so fast that their debt sunk them and they were making money, but they couldn't keep up with just keeping up with the debt. Carvana might make it if they didn't have all this debt because they're moving in the right direction, but it's like too little too late. They, they chose a wrong path from the beginning. And so eventually it'll probably crush them. And that's why when people come to me and they're like, Hey, I want to start a car business. I want to get into cars. You know, you know, how do I get a loan? Don't flip one car and see if you can make it work and then see if you can do it twice and then go from there. I would like to uh, end this topic with some good news. We have a rather spicy super chat, spicy in terms of like Cayenne a very pepper. kind uh, super chat. Thank you very much, Anthony. Oh, wow. Um, how about that? He says, my wife likes your podcast because of the uh, the merchandise and how you lovingly talk of yours. My can merchandise you or my wife? Your wife. Okay. Or maybe both, but I think definitely wife. Uh, can you give a short summary of how you both met and why you're still together? P.S. Thank you for restocking shirts and merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like a great after the commercial oh, question okay. answer, because right. I think I got to think about that. But it's it's a good story. Uh, Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. So if you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, Boxcast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. Boxcast is so easy, in fact, that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial. All right, Thank Doug, you, Boxcast. You're right. in the hot seat. For those joining us, give us a quick recap of that question. Yes, so Anthony sent in a super chat. Thank you very much again for that. And they wanted to know, uh, how can you give a short summary of how you and your wife met and why you're still together? <laughs> I don't know if that last part is an attack. Is it okay? <laughs> we got to know how this happens. I like the wording of that. Why? Yeah. You're still like, we listen to this guy every <laughs> week. I don't get it. <laughs> like, You'll uh, have to ask her about that. Um, <clears throat> she has seen a psychiatrist to see if there's things wrong up here because <laughs> she's with me. No, that's. <laughs> Say, she seems true. mostly normal. No, <laughs> except for this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she she likes the big lips. No, oh, does she? The, yeah, YouTube the chapstick is not kind to with the, the uh, chapping. Man, yeah. Yes. Anyway, um, so we met. I was uh, pretty much we had seen each other in church, but I was helping her move. Um, I had gotten a text. A, a lot of guys in church will just kind of like help other people move, um, and I actually got quite good at it. Uh, despite my extra mediumness, I have, I, I, uh, bat above my league or whatever. Um, I don't know what the saying is. It's terrible. I'm, I'm so bad at sports. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just not do sports references. Anyway, speaking of batting again, above my league, my wife, um, so we would help out, uh, people moving and, 
my friend sent out a group text and said, hey, some lady from church needs help moving. And it was uh, a yes. Saturday in September. That's how it starts. Right. Some lady from church uh, well, needs I'm help. I'm thinking the way it's like, it's lady, I'm 30, whatever. I'm like, girls, females are still girls to me. Like you have a girlfriend, not yeah. a lady friend, right? Lady friend is what 60-year-old Corvette owners <laughs> call their lady friend. <laughs> Anyway, something that's like this old lady that's moving into a nursing home or something like that. And uh, it was a Saturday in September. And I was like, dude, that's a boating day. But they said, there's just pods in the driveway. And we just have to move them into the house. And I'm like, well, I'm frigging super mover. We're going to be done by like 11 a.m. And I'll be out on the boat by noon. Well, the pods were not in the driveway. They were at U-Haul. And it was oh. highly disorganized. And the person who had volunteered to uh, get the pods had a minivan that was like the hitch was dragging on the ground. And so they weren't U-Haul wouldn't let them pick up the rest of the pods. And I'm like, well, I got a vehicle that can haul it. And my Toreg TDI. So I pulled out of uh, her street. Thank you, Mark, for the bourbon pulled out of her street to go get my Toreg, and i found out later so i was driving my corvette with a loud exhaust she heard me take off and she rolled her eyes and commented to one of her friends like oh man we got a neighbor like one of those car people or whatever one of those guys <laughs> yeah well anyway um like eight hours later we're still moving and my line we were taking a refrigerator out of one of the trucks and it had a bunch of different types of adhesive holding the doors together. And I was taking all of them off because we were taking the fridge inside and we wanted the doors to open. And I crumpled them up into a ball and I walked over to her and said, hey, I made you a mixtape. <laughs> hey -o. That's really good. And then she didn't talk to me for three months. Um, <laughs> she was trying to recover from that joke. And so she's like, I need a minute. It about knocked me over. Right. Anyway, uh, but, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Uh, in addition, um, we know we had a couple of weeks ago, um, Hank made made some, some questionable decisions on Valentine's Day, but he's also not here tonight. Oh. Um, and I think, so we've had a couple of folks comment so far, so I wanted to bring this up now that we're well underway. Uh, this sh uh, show was supposed to be in the car. Yes. And we're decidedly not in a 9-11 <laughs> right now. Right. We are still going to Amelia. We're just leaving very early tomorrow. Yes. And so Hank had to get his beauty sleep, even though he's used to getting up at five o'clock every morning. He was very frustrated to learn that we were leaving at like <laughs> six, right. six thirty in the morning. Right. He had to be in bed by seven PM. So this yeah. yeah, is not going to make the show. So we're gonna dock his pay. Uh but uh That's he will be about. at the works reunion on Friday, uh looking at cars that he will complain that he can't afford, even though he probably could. Because 996s are cheaper than Corvettes. <laughs> Honestly, um, though, after joining the Corvette buy-sell trade group, C5s and C6s are so cheap. Yes, they like, are. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, anyway, speaking of semi-scams, you were talking about uh, Polestar getting some money. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So, I think a couple of weeks ago, I referenced, or I don't know if it was on the podcast or Doug and I were just chatting, but Volvo had essentially sold the vast majority of their shares in Polestar. Uh, so, for those of you that don't know, 
Volvo is owned by a Chinese company called Geely, and with Geely and Volvo and I think some other people, they spun off Polestar, which used to be their performance trim brand racing effort, into this electric car company, this EV company. Um, the Polestar, and so Polestars look like Volvos, except they're EVs. Um, so Volvo had pulled out most of their funding, which I thought was fascinating because I thought they were essentially attached at the hip. Um, but turns out that's not a big deal uh, because they have secured a billion dollars in additional investment from various banks and other institutions so oh, they'll be just fine banks so is that loans or investments i don't know it's yes. a lot of different people but it feels a little weird and of course they're all excited about it you know i would like to see them secure a billion dollars in like sales well, and what's customer funny, orders in their announcement they're like so they name they do this cheeky thing that a bunch of ev companies do and they name their cars very simply um so they're like oh it's a polestar one two three four five and they're like oh yeah we've launched two and a half cars <laughs> so we're almost to the third and we're like so excited for these upcoming things but they haven't shifted units as far as i can mm. tell so <gasps> yeah uh, we'll see how they do we'll see how they do lots of small companies getting lots of money and not making it speaking of which vinfast uh an electric car company in vietnam blew through 650 million dollars oh. in quarter four of last year but don't worry it promises to triple the number of vehicles it will sell next year ah uh will that take care of that 650 million what is that per unit that's a good question <laughs> okay that's a good question i learned very early on in economics class that i i did finish economics class it was one of the classes i actually graduated from in college um i don't think you graduate from a class i think you can pass the oh, class. Oh, gosh. <laughs> i got the full oh, credit damn. yeah <laughs> You don't Dog's graduate from kindergarten either, but parents celebrate it anyway. Oh, I give people go loads of credit for that. Golly. Still got to eat cake for it or whatever. Uh, <laughs> gosh darn it. <laughs> anyway, the principle of like, if you're going to make more things, the one thing has to make money, right? Like making more of them does not solve your lack of profitability unless everything is like fixed ops and, you know, you're, you're, you're making a positive margin on the car and you can just, you know, skyrocket production or, or, or sales, but keep your fixed ops the same, which never actually happens in the real world. But general principle, if you're losing money with a few, you're going to lose a lot more money with more. But you bring those revenue numbers up. Money right. moving. And then, you, well, the revenue gets more investors. Oh, yeah. And so then the previous ones get bought out with the new investors' money... It sounds like a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> to follow As up Ethan's question, <laughs> uh, when switch ca or switch cars going public? <laughs> How do we get in on this? <laughs> I got to bump up my revenue numbers first. <laughs> just randomly sell some high transaction. I'll just do a bunch of general journal entries. I'll sell myself cars back and forth. Yeah, yeah that's one. Yeah. Um, so Ethan, you writing this down? Yeah. Myron Vernus, a, a local collector, author, um, general car expert and and regular contributor on the side to pod uh, to switchcast just in the wonderful stuff he sends us um said and, and i this could not be more on the point he said electric car startups today are just like all car company startups at the beginning of the 20th century they fall into three categories 90 percent are total scams scams <laughs> 
8% are well-intentioned but undercapitalized. Mm. 2% are legitimate. And I, I think that's what we're seeing right now, honestly. I mean, you got Fisker, again, having financial troubles, I think, or maybe getting more investment. You, you, there's just company after company after company that is trying to make a brand new car. And it's not even working for the major manufacturers. Mercedes this week announced that they're scaling back their EV production. GM's essentially scaling everything back. Ford's out in a sense. I mean, not out, but like, man, they are all just backpedaling on this stuff. So these small companies thinking, oh, we're going to design a car from the scratch. Mm. Yeah. Well, and like, I, you know, it's hard to make a car. Like, especially yeah. now, more so than at the beginning of the... T- you could put wheels on a piece of wood and probably call it a car then, but now there's all of these regulations and requirements and technology and that needs to be developed. Like, it's expensive. Yes. And You know how to make a small fortune in the car business? Uh, start with a big one? Yes. Is that right? yeah. There you go. Classic. There you go. <laughs> Classic. I, I hear speaking that's also of, true about racing. Speaking yeah. of, though... All right, so DeLorean is Ooh. firing up again. Really? Yes. Yes. Now... Not DeLorean in terms of, okay, so there's John DeLorean back in the 80s, right? And his company was struggling already because he decided to make a stainless steel car, which is really great, but it's fantastically heavy and underpowered and, you know, other than looking cool is way underperforming. So their company was struggling with money. And of course, he got arrested on drug charges, which... He was acquitted from, but that was the the death knell for that company. So then that company sold to the company in Texas that is uh, essentially rebuilding old cars and remaking parts and stuff like that. So then they wanted to make an electric car. Um, So they got some more investors and uh, were going to make the Alpha 4, I think it is. Um, But that has essentially all but been canned that project so another ev company that is not not going according to plan and probably a lot of investors money into that too however however catherine delorean john delorean's daughter who has been very active and vocal within the car community uh kind of uh you know continuing her dad's legacy um but as far as i can tell has nothing to do with this other delorean ev thing. Uh, She is looking to start up uh, a new company. Come on, computer, stop (laughs) doing this to me. DeLorean Next Generation Motors. And they're going to use uh, C8 Corvettes as the basis, but with styling that's been inspired by the DMC-12. Haggerty first broke the story and uh, Motor Authority is where we're getting our information here. Uh, it'll even have gullwing doors. So I like this. Now, I don't want to be an early uh, uh, endorser or detractor, right? We've been talking about all these companies that have been going bust uh, because of lack of well profit. Um, but I like the idea of taking an existing platform and just adding styling to it. Um, I think that could be a win. I think the the cost basis and uh, what it's going to take to manufacture this is going to be significantly less. You're not reinventing the wheel. You're just, you know, you're essentially a modern coach builder. 
So I like the idea. I think it, I mean, they're starting with a good platform. The C8 is fantastic. It's just friggin' ugly. So if you can make a beautiful Corvette C8, I think I'm in. I kind of um, dig this. Yeah. So yeah. I first found that Alpha 4 or 5, whatever, and I was like, well, this is, I, I think it's hideous. It was not what, you know, I was like, okay, it looks like every other EV, but this, I don't hate. No, I, I, I kind of like it. And I, it's got the black belt line from like the trim too, that I, I think is like a very iconic thing on that car. Yeah. And the wheels, the like zillion spoke wheel. I'm, I'm here for this and it looks way better than a C8. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. Um, probably better than DeLorean's attempt at an EV. Um, I, I'd be really curious to see where the price point is, right? So Caravaggio, who makes my awesome Corvette seats, did the rebody of the C8. Not a rebody, I'm sorry. It was like a, a slightly massage body. They smoothed off all the lines and all the black trim. They made body color and just made it a, a more cohesive design and that was like 135 grand plus a c8 yeah it looked good but that was nuts. that's a lot a lot of money so i'm curious where this delorean is going to come in given that it's essentially a fully coach built um design so i think if it's less than 200k it's going to be a giant hit and if they can sustain it and not take investors money like everybody else is doing right now um, I think, I think it could be good, but we will, um, we'll keep the jury out and, and <laughs> just sit back and wait to see how it goes. The question of the week is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. So forget the flappy paddles because we like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at NutsForSticks.com and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That's NutsForSticks.com and use code SWITCHCAST. Uh, so this question of the week comes to us from SWITCHCAST.LIVE. And those of you that do not know, that is your hub for all things SWITCHCAST. So if, you wanna, uh, if you've missed an episode, if you want to get in contact with us, we love to prioritize questions from SWITCHCAST.LIVE. And uh, we can all ask Doug anything. I asked him about Aaron earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, Chris, that was a very uh, keep your woman but switch cars inspired yes, question. It was so, for the rest of you whose wives listen. That's all one of you. <laughs> you can get your keep your woman but switch cars shirt on nutsforsticks.com. And Chris asked us on SwitchCast.Live, I've got a highly modified 95 BMW E34 540i, and I'm debating on a trade plus cash on a 94 Japanese market E36 M3. Where do you think these Euro-spec E36 values are going to go? Mm. It always comes back to values. Yeah, I mean, I get why he's asking that, though, because they're fairly expensive, and he, it sounds like he's trading... A, well, he is trading a really cool BMW for another really cool BMW, but he's probably thinking about value. Like, I would say, like, that's how he expresses, I'm getting rid of my baby. Is it worth it to get another one? Yeah. I, I think they are expensive for an E36 M3. For the non-BMW nerds, that's the 1994 to 1998 M3. Um, square-ish. But 
the Euro spec is the, the Euro E36 M3 is one of the few cars that like from Euro to US was night and day. They are so much better. The early generations were 286 versus 240 horsepower. Massive, massive difference. Individual throttle bodies on a Euro E36 M3. I would kill for a modern car with ITBs. And then they went to to the uh, 3.2 liter inline six, but only for uh, Europe. And they did not increase the U.S., versions horsepower at all still stuck at 240 and europe's went to like 312 or 320 or something ridiculous like that and they went to a six-speed manual u.s still got five speed so like the euro cars i mean that's just the engine but that's enough for me (laughs) that sounds almost like Like, an entirely different car (laughs) i would I don't love them from like, they don't do anything for me aesthetically. I don't look at an E36 and be like, Oh man. Oh, I get, I, Oh, that's such a good looking car. But just on the specs alone, I would want to buy one of those. It was like the Euro car was a true driver's car. And the U S car was basically like a massage base E36. So I would do it. Cause I think, in the long run, they're going to be appreciated by collectors, drivers, just because it's a really, really good car. And the advice I give to everybody is buy a car that you love because of all the right reasons, and eventually that'll be appreciated by the market, whether they know it yet or not. It seems to work. And plus, it, even if it doesn't, you have a car that you love and yeah. enjoy. And so. that's it. Oh, I'd buy one. So you should. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, we've got another super chat. This one comes from Devin Ruckus, a longtime viewer of the podcast. Good to see you in chat tonight, Devin. Uh, thoughts on... I feel the like U- he just needs to be a sponsor in... <laughs> Ooh, yeah. The- <laughs> uh, hit us up on switchcast.live. Ethan will, Ethan will get you all the paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thoughts on Mutiny. They're a startup car company in Detroit. Mutiny? Mutiny While- on the bounty? I do not know. I will say while you're looking that up, I was looking at the wrong DeLorean new car. I still agree it looks good, but I was looking at the wrong thing. You were looking at the Alpha 5? No, this was the other more different DeLorean next generation that came before this Corvette-based one. Mutiny is here to shake up auto manufacturing and put some joy back on the road. We're reviving one of America's great factories. Oh, is that Lordstown plant? No, this is in Detroit. Duh. (laughs) It's a throwback. That's a throwback. Their website looks only slightly better than switchcars.com, which was last redesigned in 1995. So I don't have high hopes, but this is interesting. They sell T-shirts. I'm going to dig into this and give you a better answer in a coming episode because this is interesting. I'm really curious what they're trying to do here. Thank you for oh, the question. Oh, so it seems, so their page says, our mission is to revive a once great car factory in Detroit with thriving jobs that pay a living wage worked by industrious people who want to build the future together. So I don't believe it's a car company. So Sounds like a charity. I think this guy's on TikTok. Oh, yeah? He bought an abandoned car factory and posts all the stolen cars stripped out front of it all the time. And, and makes t-shirts? I think so. Hmm. They're selling gear. All right. Well. We'll check them out and report back on that. Yeah. 
maybe go up and see how they make their coach belt t-shirts. Yeah. Get you some <laughs> some uh, nuts for stick shirts from there. Oh man, so good golly, it is 8:40 already. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh I wanted to talk about two uh, particular scams in in the automotive industry this week. Well, rumors, we'll say. One of them, the biggest one that everybody's talking about, maybe, is EAG. And we're not talking about Enthusiast Auto Group in Cincinnati. Uh, we're talking about European Auto Group in Texas that does the stick conversions. You could say they are nuts for sticks. Well, it's pretty nuts how things have gone lately because it started with Art, the founder, releasing a video on TikTok, a emotionally laced video with tears, comparing himself to Steve Jobs because his partners had come in the middle of the night and stolen $5 million worth of tools and equipment and kits and parts and stuff. So that's obviously a um, big claim. Um, and I want to caveat this with, um, I don't, I have not seen the partner agreement. There are very few facts in all of this. There are purely what art said on TikTok and what other people have said, uh, it's all hearsay officially. This is all rumors. We're not drawing a conclusion here. I'm just giving you information as it has come to me. So um, there's my legal disclaimer there. Um, the side against EAG, we'll just say this, is highly damning. Um, there are n There's essentially nobody that is coming on art side and saying, Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is totally legit. He got screwed over by his partners. Almost everybody, almost everybody is saying that he's running anything from they're saying anything from he has no clue how to run a business to he's running a complete scam. Now, the best I can the best I can piece everything together is that um he didn't it's a classic story of talent trying to turn into a big business right so art was very very talented at converting f1 cars to stick shifts because of that he had a lot of customers and he had a lot of cars being shipped to him and a lot of money being sent to him but the best i can tell from everybody I've talked to is he hasn't the faintest idea how to run a business like not not a clue um so if he had a hundred grand come in for a deposit he would think that was profit like he had no idea how to budget out what that was going to be spent on or or whatever uh again this is third party information but it is overwhelming in the number of people who have, have given me this sort of opinion. Um, and he took on some partners to grow the business and essentially like fix this problem. And I was actually offered that opportunity a year or so ago and declined it mostly because I had too much going on in my life. But I thought it was interesting, but at the same time, highly risky. But um, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> What people are essentially saying is like he spent all of 
the customer's money on his own personal stuff. He essentially like either set out to scam them, which I don't think is true, or just didn't understand how money worked and how cash flow worked. And all the revenue that was coming in, he just spent on himself, on his personal cars. He's got a number of cars registered to himself personally and just on this lavish lifestyle. And the partners that were brought on saw this and saw the complete mismanagement and basically said, we're going to get the assets while we can and somehow salvage what we can out of this before he just drains the company dry. That's my understanding of it from talking with everybody. Uh, there's a great article on this. Again, no facts, just experiences on the truthabouteverything.com. And a guy shares essentially how he sent a car to art and it took like eight months longer than promised. And it came back and it needed a gearbox, even though that's like literally what he does is he cha- I mean, he doesn't change the gearbox, right? The beauty of the F1 to six-speed conversion in these cars is they use the same transmission. You're just changing every other component around it in terms of how the shift is actuated, whether it's via computer telling a motor to tell an arm to move the shifter and engage the clutch, or whether you're just doing it with your right hand and your left foot. So um, this guy got his car back, then Art quoted him 30 grand for a gearbox. So he's basically like, oh, this Art guy totally scammed me. The ironic thing was this same person had written this glowing article about EAG before all this happened. And I was talking to Matt Farah about this because I remember Matt was a very early detractor of EAG. From day one, he's basically like, these guys are a scam. They have no idea what they're doing. And, you know, their business is a sham. Now, he had some very strong words along those lines. And I understand his perspective on that, too. Um, and he kind of outed the 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 journalist who like wrote this great article about EAG with nothing to back it. And then it's like, Oh man, I got scammed by them. Shoot. Here's my, here's my other article. But I mean, I talked to clients of mine who, who used him. They said he's a train wreck, quote unquote. Um, it's a disaster. Like all these different things. I mean, I had a customer send a car to him. It was, it came back missing parts on the car, missing stuff in the car. You know, another person, Came, their car came back. It won't go into first gear. I mean, it is just mind-blowing the number of accounts that um, say that EAG is just a disaster of a company. And it's really, really unfortunate because it's such a great idea, right? Their engineering is supposedly fantastic in terms of what they've developed to convert terrible F1 cars to manual transmissions. But it is just really unfortunate that it seems like nobody can run a business within the car world. Um, the, the irony is, the irony is that the YouTube guy, normal guy, Supergar, who basically like became well known for his coverage of the CNC exotic scam. I mean, he rode the coattails of that thing for a long time somehow didn't see this EAG thing coming. And he claims now that EAG owes him a fortune for royalties on marketing, apparently $2,000 for every conversion they ever did because of some agreement the normal guy supercar did with EAG. 
Now, this in and of itself, I did not dig into this either, but on the surface of it, I'm going, hold on, hold on. I'm not necessarily questioning what's in some contract they made, but I have a bunch of clients with conversions done, and I know a bunch of YouTubers that have done reviews on his conversions, on EAG's conversions, and I've heard about EAG from every avenue on the planet. I've never, ever heard of him associated with normal guy supercar. That's wild. So I don't know how he's now claiming, well, one, I don't know how he didn't see this coming if he supposedly knew all about CNC exotics things, but <laughs> like, I'm sorry, why does he owe you for every conversion? Yeah. Like what kind of paperwork is that? Like, how did you get that? That's, it would be amazing. Somebody said that's a Mr. Wonderful type of deal right there. <laughs> Like, did you convince Art, did you somehow scam the scammer into saying, like, oh, I'm this big deal on YouTube? Man. Like, he's not that big of a deal. Mark, do you even know who Normal Guy Supercar is? I was thinking of someone else you were talking about. Mark. Scamming everybody, making sure they're a big deal. Mark doesn't know. Do you, Tyler, have you heard of him? No, I have not. Okay, but you heard of... uh, Sorry, not enthusiast. Uh, Very sorry to the BMW people. (laughs) They're the ones they'll sell you Euro E36 M3. (laughs) You've heard of European Auto Group. Yes. Okay. Well, and I think, so this is like, you know, uh, whatever the truth is, it's probably, there's more nuance to it than a lot of people want there to be. And I would be livid if I had sent my car and money and then did not get anything. And now potentially have no recourse other than to get your car back. So like, that's obviously terrible. I'm also sad that like the biggest, it seems the most, maybe not the biggest, the most visible company doing this is now most likely not going to be continuing to do this. It's very I likely that someone else picks up the pieces because I think doing this is amazing. Like we are entering a space where stuff like a manual converted V12 or V8 supercar is like going to be it. Yeah. So I hope someone keeps it because like doing like get the F1s out of here, throw them all away. <laughs> Who cares? Like somebody needs to pick this up. The the engineering that all went into this, all the people that worked at this company, like there are smart people that know how to do this. I think somebody should just have a little bit more guidance and business sense to make it happen. I think it would be a great uh, thing for the nuts for sticks brand. Oh, I'm not going to be an investor, but I'll ride the coattails of that. Let me tell you. <laughs> Need me to read ads or something? I can do it. Do, do you want to sign a contract that gives you two grand for every conversion because you talked about it on the podcast? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, we signed that last week. You probably don't remember. There was a lot of whiskey involved. I'll, I'll find the paperwork. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please help us out with the algorithms. Like, subscribe, share, review wherever you are watching or listening to the podcast. Uh, Leave a five-star review. uh, Leave a comment. Share it with your friends. It all helps out. It helps other people find us. Uh, This doesn't just happen automatically. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Please bring your friends. Uh, Before we get to the final uh, piece here, and I apologize, we're not going to do tip talk tonight because we do have to be up early to go to Amelia. Uh, So if you have a really awesome question, get it in as soon as you can. But I do want to do the Scaminator because we're talking about scams tonight. Tyler, what do we got for the Scaminator? So we have a guy. Oh, goodness. Where did my tag go? (laughs) It's here. He was arrested for... I, trying to buy a Porsche with a $78 million check. That, mm. I have so many questions. 
I know you can go through Porsche exclusive manufacturer and really bump up the options, but 78 mil is a bit high. That's a bit spicy, I think. Yes, let's be clear. This was not a Jerry Seinfeld, you know, Mark Donahue 917 or something like this. This was a, he walked into a Porsche dealership in in, uh, Kentucky. No, No, Indiana. Bloomington, Indiana. No, he's from Indiana. Oh. He went to Bluegrass Motorsport, with whom we have done business. Um, our checks were real though, and tried to buy a brand new Porsche for a set with a seventy-eight million dollar like pre-made check. I just, I would like to understand. Uh, but even before that, my other favorite thing is that he allegedly tried to do this at a Land Rover dealer with a twelve million dollar check. Yes, so like obviously the, that day he values Land Rovers way less. But like 70, if you're going to do this, wouldn't you think it'd be a reasonable number? <laughs> like, well, and what, what did he think was going to happen? Like he was going to get change. Like it's like, you go to the ATM or, or you go to the, the checkout and use your debit card. And would you like cash, cash back? Yeah. The salesman at the Porsche dealer's like, all right, you're going to buy a, you know, 992 Turbo S. Would you like cash back? Sure. I'll get 500 K <laughs> cash back for my check. Like what? <laughs> no, it's just a tip. Then it, well, is that a house deal, or is this, is there a cap on that commission for the salesman? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that guy might have been a drummer because there's not many brain cells going on there. Wow. <laughs> Needless to say, the dealership called the police, <laughs> and the dude got arrested. Yes, I, I mean, if you're gonna make a fake check, make it like, come on, man, go get a two hundred thousand dollar check. Oh yeah, and that's I don't seventy eight million is such a ridiculous number. I, like it, nobody's gonna believe that. Uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. They had to like chase him out of the deal. He was like just loitering until he got his car too. He was being he was yes. Gonna, he would not like, leave the dealer. He was trying <laughs> to force them to sell yeah. him a car. He was like trying to find keys. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that guy's a that guy's a real winner. Yeah. Uh, uh, three screws short of a license plate frame right there. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, it is time now. Well, let's it, let's get to a couple quick questions, and then we'll go to the props and the flops. Um, did you want to do – we can cut this out of the audio podcast if not, but did you want to do the question that we discussed beforehand if there's a quick and easy answer to it? Um, let's do that next week because next I week. think they're – it's a longer discussion. Okay, cool. Yeah, Let's uh, table that one. And I will can... also say for the folks on YouTube, uh, I'm keep I'm noting down uh, some of the questions. If we don't get them to them all tonight, because we're not doing tip talk, we'll get to them in the future. So if uh, don't ask your question tonight, I apologize, but we'll get to it. Uh, we can pull one quick one in from uh, Instagram here. Uh, I got a fast one from YouTube while you do that. Uh, El Inca Macho wants to know: Have you ever owned or driven a nine five nine? I have not. Interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, because I, I didn't know that. Have you driven a Carrera GT? I've driven a 911 Turbo, which is pretty close. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, kind of. I hear like two camps turbo. on the 959. Either it is a glorious machine that lives up to the expectation, or a lot of people, uh, other people say it just feels like a hopped up 911. I would argue that the people who say it's a glorious machine are the ones who have a 500-mile example and paid $2 million for it. Ooh. 
Well, because that's what the internet <laughs> says, or you know, they want the value to go up. But it's just that's my hot yeah, take. All right. Um, <laughs> this one's pretty quick. How many titles can I float before I catch a felony? <laughs> <laughs> it depends. Are you Carvana? You can float them for a while. Yeah. Are they Nissan Altimas? You can do it forever. <laughs> Just keep putting temp tags on them. It's time now for the props and flops <laughs> brought to you by Switch Cars. And Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And Doug, what is our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory? It is a 2011 BMW M3 in rare Melbourne red. It's a competition package coupe with carbon fiber roof, six-speed manual, and it was a Euro delivery. That's right. A uh, U.S. service member was in Germany and bought it through the BMW military sales program, a whopping, I think it was a 10% discount for them, uh, which is fantastic. You know, the... uh, (laughs) I think it's slightly ironic that uh, the German uh, car company is giving back to American soldiers, you know, big thanks. Um, It's a history joke right there. Uh, Anyway, full service records all the way back till new. One owner car, 64,000 miles, and it looks fantastic in red. Anyway, that car's not on the website yet, but it will be soon. So if you're looking for a unique spec BMW M3 competition, there you go. We got a lot of red cars in at the moment. We do. Surrounded. We do. Our flop of the week this week is from Aston Martin Heritage Trust. That's right. You know, if you want to order a a certificate of authenticity from Porsche or a Heritage Trust certificate from Aston Martin or from British Leyland or anything like that, you can send in some money and get a spec sheet that tells you everything that was ordered on your car new with a reasonable degree of accuracy. And I say that because we got a spec sheet for a DB7 Vantage V12, which was always a six-speed manual or a five-speed automatic, but never a five-speed manual. That was the base DB7. But this Heritage Trust originality certificate says that it's a five-speed manual. (laughs) Ooh. Yeah, they got everything else right, I think. I guess I have to trust them. But it's not a good look. Well, everybody, it's hard to type, like you said earlier. But uh, <laughs> that's that's one thing you should get right. It's like yeah. saying like, ah, it's a V eleven. <laughs> just it's missing one. Yeah, just just missing one gear, and one cylinder. Anyway, um, although it is an Aston Martin, wouldn't be surprising if it was missing one cylinder. Uh, prop of the week, Apple. This might sound like a, a flop, but I think it's a prop. Regular listeners will know why. Apple cancels its plans to build an electric car. Hooray! They threw in the towel. Look, a tech company should not be making a car. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, back it up. I got a joke. Sorry. They phoned it in. (laughs) 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 Hey, Do you want to screen my jokes first? mm. You know, Ethan might actually after this. No, that's good. That's fine. He can keep going. <laughs> he can keep going. Well, <laughs> that's all I got. That's it. it? Oh, no, I, oh, I got it. They pulled the plug. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that's just anything that that's runs with electricity. A, see, the, now you want to screen his jokes. It didn't align with their core business. Mm. Mm. Wow. Apple. Uh-huh, Apple uh-huh, core. Uh-huh. Now I we're, see. We're, we're reaching. Uh, we're I think reaching. I'm going to distract from this by I'm going to squeak in another super chat we got tonight. Uh, this uh, YouTube, uh, Charles Putt, thank you very much. Doug, do you have any plans to race at Lemons this year? Yes, but I don't know what races. Sold. Somewhere in the Midwest, probably. But yes, we're trying to get two races in at Lemons this year. Uh, well, with that, thank you all very much for being here tonight. It is nine o'clock, and we are leaving in like nine hours to go to Amelia. We yeah. hope to see you there. We'll be at pretty much every event. We'll be at Works Reunion. We'll be at Broad Arrow Auctions, Gooding Auction, Cars and Community, Radwood, the Concord, and the Hangar Party. So if you're going to any of those, please come by, give us a high five, hand us a beer, something like that. Ooh, I like we'll that We'll be one. having heck, <laughs> heck yes. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, thank you to Ethan Huffnagel, our producer, and Tyler Sanders, our co-host, producer, banter, something or other. Still oh, don't I have get more an official than that title. Yeah. No, I said we don't have a title yet. Ish. I just get them all. Co-host, producer, <laughs> uh, co-host-ish, producer-ish. Yeah. Anyway, thank you to I'll our sponsors. You, sponsors. Thank you to our sponsors. Boxcast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Home Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out switchcast.live to sign up for our newsletter and to catch up on old episodes and find out where you can stream us on audio platforms. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life.